Hello and welcome to episode 793 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Thursday, March 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning, I guess. Not really. Whatever. It's not that good. It's not that good. Let's be honest. It's not that good. This sucks, man. This sucks, dude. Look, be honest. Get the disclaimer out front. We know sports are not the highest concern right now. Okay? Freely acknowledge that. We're not stupid. Um, the I'm health stupid. and well-being of everybody. Well, fair enough. But the health and well-being of everybody is the 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 major major issue. That's what we need to care about. But then, as you start to work your way down the list, all of sports being canceled sucks, dude. This uh, is so crappy. On a brighter note, I placed uh, bets on all the unders for total team wins this morning. There you go. And I'm going to be you rich. You're going to be rich as hell, dude. This is going to be great. Um, but, okay, so what we're looking at right now is a likely suspension of spring training here soon, perhaps a delay in the start of the season, and who knows? Who knows what to do? Obviously, a lot of drafts are moving online. As far as the NFBC goes, I understand that. I would imagine my Vegas trip is very much in doubt for next weekend, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, New York already got scrapped for uh, tout wars and all that, so it's it's just been bad and um, seemingly getting worse by the day. So, you know, we had NBA suspend their season. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were uh, tested positive. <laughs> what a jerk yeah, that dude. Rudy Gobert, dude. Rudy Gobert, my goodness. He is a villain right now for the stuff that he did. Go, go Google Rudy Gobert to see yeah. the, what he did. This, and isn't then, uh, my, this isn't my joke, but uh, dude should win defensive MVP for just shutting down the entire league. <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> I don't know who to give credit for that joke, but... It, but I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Um, and then Tom Hanks got it. So his wife, they're out in Australia working on a film. So hopefully everything's good there. And, you know, it's not that everyone who gets it is is dead. You know, it's just got to deal with it. A lot, a lot of people aren't going to get it. It's just a total, total bummer. We're not going to dive into all the mechanics of it. I don't want to pretend I even know uh, enough to do that. So we are still going to talk baseball. And until, you know, the season gets pushed or I don't think it'll be canceled. I really don't. I don't think the whole season will be canceled. It might be it might be delayed, but I doubt the whole thing will be canceled. But um, until then, we're going to keep drafting as normal and you know, podcasting and writing and all that. So let's talk about some closers. Yay. We uh, we weren't sure if we we're going to get this reliever uh, episode in on Thursday or Friday, but your school started canceling things uh, is your final delayed or yeah they, they pushed my yeah they pushed my final it, it's an online or it's a midterm online it's on for an online class so like i don't necessarily know why they're pushing it because hey we were going to be hey, doing it on we'll it. anyways uh but yeah it's going to be pushed uh until after our spring break next week so uh i yeah i i i don't know like uh, supposedly there's discussions that the school itself could just go completely online like other schools have done, yep. which will make my workout class and my scuba class this semester interesting. interesting. 
Yep, yep, those will definitely become a little bit more interesting. I <laughs> don't know how that's going to work, but uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we had some availability today to go ahead and discuss this, and um, we got we to gotta do it. I got to have my rankings up probably tomorrow uh, to go with this Friday the, the 13th if you're uh, not listening to this exactly when it came out. So let's discuss some closers. Now, with the ADP, I didn't follow ADP uh, for a couple reasons. One, just with closers – um, kind of grouping them up and discussing them in these particular groups, I think is more valuable. But for two, the way NFBC does it with uh, with pitchers is they list all pitchers. So I mean, I can still give you a raw ADP, but we don't. It, it's difficult unless I would have like hand uh, pulled them and, and sorted them to say like, oh, he's the 14th closer off the board. So I can still give you the the overall ADP, which I will in, in instances, but not not for everybody. Especially because with closer two, you can really get away from ADP. Like once you need them, and there's somebody available, if it's, I don't care if it's 60 spots higher, you need to take that guy, lest you get left out in the cold. Well, and I mean, you know? like, especially as we start getting out of the top tier and really maybe even the exactly. top two tiers, like That's the ranges become huge. I mean, yep. Like for instance. You know, I just kind of scrolled down to uh, Kimbrel and Rossella Iglesias. Uh, both of them have a min pick of 94 and 95, and their max picks are 230 and 224. Like, My goodness. It's just a huge range because it's almost league dependent in virtually every league. Yep. It's once they start going, people start jumping in. Uh, so it's it's really hard to kind of figure out like, hey, ADP wise, is this a good place to take someone? You kind of have to throw that out take the them window. When you need them. Yeah, yeah. So we we say don't get too hung up on ADP at a lot of spots. Catcher, it's the most. Or, excuse me, closer, it's the it's the biggest thing to not get hung up. Take them when you need them. If you if you deem it's it's good to go ahead and go with you know Archie Bradley, and again, it could be sixty picks higher than his ADP, but you need him, and he's the last when you trust that's the thing too it becomes your own personal trust of the closer situation so not going to be a lot of adp chatter here going to be more about the the skills the guys behind them the managers uh and stuff like that so let's just go ahead and dive in and talk about the the, the top guys i think there's like a super six here i think they've got a big group up at the top that i think are pretty locked in and trustworthy well as locked in as you can be it's it it's the most unstable um class that i've seen in a long time as far as far as closers and i i don't think this is something that we say you know there's certain things we say it like every year and you're like if you go back you just said that you know uh you guys were saying that last year no i truly believe because in past years i was open to being the guy to double tap four rounds four five with the top two guys and stuff like that you would not find me doing that this year but here are the top six Josh Hader, Aroldis Chapman, Kirby Yates, Edwin Diaz, Roberto Osuna, and Kenley Jansen. To give you an idea of the instability at the top, two of those guys weren't even very good last year. Well, one was downright brutal, Edwin mm-hmm. Diaz, and then Kenley was was certainly not Kenley. So um, let's talk about this group here. Let's start with Josh Hader. Is he your number one? He is my number one, and just as a total tier uh, discussion – if I had made these tiers, it'd be a top, it'd be a super three, top but, three, and then the next. Three. Yeah, I think the next three belong in the next tier. Uh, we but, can do that. We can do that right now. 
I can do that. You don't have to. You don't have to accommodate everything yeah, I want. Just I like it. Almost I like everything. it. Uh, Super three, and then um, these guys are good too. <laughs> that works. Uh, so yeah, Hater is my top guy. Uh, I just don't see anybody on the team that's necessarily going to supplant him. Uh, he's been fantastic. He gets the extra innings uh, at times, which makes him even more valuable. I think he, uh, I think he's easily my top option here. Uh, mm-hmm. Though, I mean, I do like the other two guys. I've been getting shares of all three of these guys. Uh, I feel like they all kind of give you some level of safety uh, and uh, a huge amount of upside as well. I've heard some concerns about uh, Corey Kniebel upon his return. The reason I don't share those concerns is because he's not even due back to start throwing until May. So I think once he's that, once haters that established, I just, I just don't, I just don't see why they would go away from that personally. That, mean, that's me. Let's be honest. Like Kniebel had like one really good season in 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like, I mean, he's been lights out his entire career, and we have no idea. And I mean, what has Knievel struggled with in the past? His command, command, and what's the last thing to come back after Tommy command, Tom? command? So, mm-hmm. like, some guys come back and they are great, and some guys, especially when we're talking about relievers, like they never come back really. Like they're just yep. never the same guy. So, the idea that we're going to like push him into taking over from the guy who was the most dominant reliever last year, I, I just don't see it. Looks like uh, spring training has been officially suspended here. Yeah, the, that, that we figured that's happened. The question is now, do they play or or do they delay the season as well? Or, yeah. Uh, do... Here's the thing. Spring's always been too long anyway. So... You know, maybe losing a losing a few ga- few games there isn't so bad. Of course, if the guys sit there for what a week or, or two, that could be problematic. My guess is uh, they just start doing extended spring training type yeah, activities, back up. just so they can just keep guys kind of ramping and stuff. And uh, I mean, it just depends on when they're gonna when they're gonna actually start the actual season. But the, mm-hmm. the, the fact that they've even been playing games with fans there. Uh, have you know just been a travesty? Yeah, and um, things getting canceled slash suspended left and right. But uh, anyway, that that's the way it looks like it's going right now. Uh, next up, Aroldis Chapman. Uh, getting back to the closers here. Uh, so, so again, just to put the bow on Hater, we don't share the concerns about Knievel right now. Um, I, I really don't. I'm drafting Hater with the utmost confidence as the number one pick. I'm also not worried about his ugly spring era which i did not literally had no idea of until this moment when i just looked at his page don't care don't care um all right Roldis chapman is next and i do think he's been the the well-regarded number two i, I your, your move was right there to, to go three and three here because yeah these three have really stood out above the pack and then it goes to the next uh to the next guys chapman i think the one thing about him and i want to say that it was you know who's been talking about this but I could be wrong on that. He's talked about how his innings have really, um, really been tight. You know, he used to be a guy who could go 60 plus in four of five, uh, excuse me, three out of four years from 2012 to 2015. Now he hasn't reached 60 innings 
in the last four years. And that's usually due to injury uh, of some sort, like a time, you know, one quick spell off. Last year, he did throw 60 games, but 57 innings. But he still gets the job done. And his K rates are so high that you're still getting 85, 93 Ks the last two years out of a role as Chapman. He's on a great team as well. So he is the number two. Uh, any concerns about him? Because the one thing, and we always have to be careful with this. We see uh, an Aroldis Chapman's fastball come down, and we're like, well, it's still 96. But when you lose three miles, even if you're still at 96, and he hasn't lost three miles right now, I guess I'm saying. He's, he's gone from yeah. 100 to 98 to 90, or to 99 to 98. When you come down, it's still coming down off of what you were successful with. So it is still a dip. Do you have concerns of an aging Chapman becoming less effective? Uh, I have slight concerns, and that's why I have him as my number three closer and not my number two closer, but they're still just slight concerns. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, they, you know, they, they've given him a, a long-term deal through, what, 2022. Uh, I think they're going to stick with him unless things, you know, start to really go south, and even then, I think they'll give him a, you know, put him on the IL, give him a chance to come back. The hard part with Chapman that isn't there with Hader uh, is there's competition if things go bad in New York. What? No way, dude. They don't have a deep bullpen. <laughs> yeah, so, like, <laughs> one place that hasn't been hurt in in New York for the Yankees is the bullpen. Uh, and they've got a ton of guys who could step up into that role. I think Zach Britton would probably be the first guy, uh, but... I mean, they still have Ottavino, Tommy, uh, uh, or... Canely. Yeah, Canely. Uh, Chad Green. Chad Green. Like, this is not a, uh, uh, a a bullpen that has holes. So, I think there is a tiny bit of concern. It hasn't stopped me from taking him where he's going. I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with that necessarily, but uh, he's he's definitely my number three, and I have Kirby Yates number two. Um, okay, that, that that's understandable um, to kind of flip those two, Yates and Chapman. I think you can kind of put them in, in whichever order you want. Uh, let's move on to Yates then. So there is some concern. Some folks, and it, there's probably a correlation to if you got burned on mm-hmm. um, uh, Trinan and Diaz last year after their surges that you're also having a little trepidation with Kirby Yates. I'm not sure that that's necessarily fair to Yates. I mean, he's a totally different, you know, he's a different pitcher. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going know, 30 I, spots lower than they were going last year. Well, that's true, but, but that's because of that panic from those two pushed the entire closer market down, I think. So, yeah, he is going cheaper. And it wasn't his first good year. Like, those two, that work, that was kind of their spike brilliant year. Trinan especially... Um, Diaz, I think, had a good year as like a um, middle reliever. Hang on, I'm looking right now. I mean, his year before that was was pretty darn good, and so was his. In fact, his rookie year was even better for Edwin Diaz. Trinan was kind of the more out of nowhere. He really found the command and control that he hadn't shown previously uh, to this, because even when he had some good ERAs, like in 2016, uh, they were with pretty paltry strikeout and walk numbers. So for Trinan's 18, it was on the heels of like a good 38 innings with Oakland in 2017 after he'd been traded, but that was kind of it. So I understand, you know, he kind of fell off after a smaller sample. Diaz, not so much. Yates was brilliant in 18. 
He just wasn't closing. So uh, he got 12 saves, but he wasn't the full-time closer until Hand left. So I don't share that same trepidation with Yates. 119 ERA and .89 whip. Sure, let's put those up a little bit because that's just the safe thing to do. But the the amazing strikeout and walks, I mean, he's really figured stuff out. He's going to be 33. Maybe there's a little concern there, I guess, if a little bit older. But that's not even – I don't know. I, I'm just – I'm not terrified of Kirby Yates. I haven't been getting him because I've been jumping when Hater's there or waiting. Um, but do you have any concerns about a 33-year-old Kirby Yates coming off of that brilliant season? I mean, not necessarily. I think the same kind of uh, or, or similar concerns that I have to Chapman in that the bullpen is very, very deep in San Diego, uh, and that if he does struggle, I you know they have other options to go to. So like, I don't think like I think if he were to lose the job, he'd probably just lose it because someone will step up and and be good in that bullpen. Uh, as a closer, uh, you know, whether it be a guy like what Prom Pomeranz or Munoz or, you know, I mean, they just have they, that that's a deep bullpen. So I I've been taking him. I actually believe he's my most owned closer thus far because uh, I like the price. Okay. I think he is very safe. Uh, it's, you know, as far as closers go. Uh, but I mean, that's the volatility of the position is that nobody is completely safe. That is, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's being reflected in the market is that everyone's kind of scared of, of getting burnt by closers. So, Hader, Chapman, Yates, you say Yates has been your most uh, rostered. I like Hader. I've got a couple of shares already. This next group here, we will we will break them into two groups. These guys are good too. Edwin Diaz, Roberto Osuna, Kenley Jansen mentioned that Diaz was terrible last year. The reason that I even have him this high, though, and I would I would also buy into that and take him there because the market's taken him pretty high, is because the core skills, the strikeouts and walks, were still really good. The walk rate went up from 18, but not to an egregious level. Even even as much as he struggled, an 8.7% walk rate is, I'm fine with that when you're missing bats at a 39% clip. But his home runs went absolutely through the roof to a comical 2.3 level. Uh, with a 27% homer to fly ball rate, he allowed a hit per inning, um, and and that's that's just too much. It was a disastrous season for Edwin Diaz. I think I've made this point on the show before. I, I generally hate when people say uh, that their season was lost because of one person as far as a, a real-life team goes. But if you're a Mets fan and you want to pin <laughs> the fact that they didn't make the playoffs on Diaz, I think you can make a really compelling case. If he had just been mediocre uh, or better, I think they make the playoffs like it was that bad for him. So and that's really difficult, but I do think he's going to bounce back and I'm open to taking him at a relative discount. How do you feel about Diaz? Are you buying back in? I have bought back in, in a few leagues, uh, but it's, it's very scary for me. I don't have him at the top of this tier. Okay. Uh, I have him below Osuna and below Jansen. Uh, and I feel like they're, farther above him than maybe it just being like a straight pick him. I just think that the, the, the fact that we saw him just be so atrocious uh, last season. And, you know, it's not like that defense is so much better. <laughs> to yeah, help, like bail true. him out and things. 
Of course, um, the defense couldn't catch those ones that were going in the stands. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have some some trepidation about about Diaz coming into the season. The thing is, it's it, the ceiling is just so high because he could be if things get all you know turned around and mm-hmm. all the projection systems, a lot of them like him turn around. Like the amount of strikeouts you get from him. Uh, even even when he was bad, uh, is is amazing. Um, that being said, I've been very cautious about where I'm taking him, and I'm making sure if I do grab him, I'm grabbing another closer that uh, I feel pretty confident about keeping the job and being good while doing it. So I've double tapped on like Yates and Diaz, and and Hater and Diaz, and. Uh, Osuna and Diaz and Ken Giles and Diaz, uh, but like I'm much less likely to do go into a season with a Diaz uh, Iglesias you know duo or a Diaz Kimbrel duo. Um, so I, I'm I'm just being very judicious about my roster construction of my of my relief pitchers when I'm taking him. Okay, I think that's that's fair. You you want to make sure that he's not. Like your your main guy, and that's all you've got. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk Roberto Osuna. He's gonna he's on he's on Houston, everyone's favorite team, and uh, <laughs> you know the interesting thing about him is he is regarded as a, a pre, premier closer, and he has you know the the save totals and and ratios to back it up. His strikeout rates have never really been up at that. Top, 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 top tier, though. In fact, in 18, 7.6. Now, he missed a lot of the season due to being a, a dirtbag. And uh, so, you know, it's an outlier. But but even last year, 10.1. I don't want to say 10.1 isn't good. But with these premier closers, we start seeing 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 per nine with guys like uh, Chapman and Hayter. So it is kind of interesting that he's able to maintain that that elite status. It's because his whips are brilliant. His highest whip is 0.97. His career is 0.91. And last year, Osuna was at 0.88. So uh, despite the fact that his Ks don't necessarily reach the same as his peers in these tiers. Ooh, sick rhyme. Uh, do you still like Osuna as a, as a top guy? Yeah, I do. Uh, and he's he's my number four guy. Uh, and I have been getting a number of shares of him as well. So uh, I don't, I mean, they definitely have guys in that bullpen too who could take over if for some reason he struggled. But they've seen, the, the organization as a whole has seen pretty uh, steadfast in, you know, this is our guy. Uh, now, who knows with the kind of the changeover that's happened in the front office, you know, if that continues to be the case. But until I see otherwise, I'm kind of believing that that's the case. And this is a team that's going to win a lot of games. You win a lot of games, you're going to have save opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I yeah, I, I, I like Osuna a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'm, I'm open to drafting him. You know, he, that whole team is, is weird. I, I, I know it's not the pitching that was you know caught cheating and everything, but just the whole cloud around them makes it a little bit difficult, but they also can, you know, can also get discounts from it too. So it's like, it's a kind of that balancing act of everything. Let's talk about Ken. Well, and, not I mean, oh, can, can we talk about real quick? I mean, in relation to, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of, you know, the coronavirus stuff. And, uh, but if they do play without fans, 
Like yeah. no team benefits from that more. Wow, yeah, that's... than the Astros, and so like because they're not going to have to go into these stadiums and hear booze. They're going to hear decimated. silence. Yeah, like everybody else will. And if you know there's limited press interaction because they're trying not to surround them, they're not going to get the questions that they've been getting all throughout spring. So I mean, yeah. You know, who knows what's going to happen and I don't I'm not going to like change my ranks or my projections when I wasn't really, you know, factoring a lot of that stuff in anyways. Uh, but I'm not gonna, you know, like, oh, I need to like push Bregman back up the board. No, 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 I'm not. Yeah, I'm not zipping him back up. In fairness, though, I wasn't putting him way down. No, you know, me neither. You know, but at the same time, like those people who are worried about, you know, either the fans getting on to them, them to the point where it got into their psyche or the press or whatever. Like, if if we end up playing the first month of the season without fans in, in the stadium, like, that kind of stuff should evaporate from people's minds. Yeah. And it'll, it won't be a big... Because I already thought it wasn't going to be, like, an all-year crazy type of thing. So, uh, that is an interesting point. And, you know, outside of the cheating, Osuna has his own thing. Because of the domestic violence, fans are not... Uh, uh, Huge fans of you know that he's not he's not the the most well supported guy and I understand that um, so that too would would be a different thing you know we saw that game um, in Baltimore years ago because of the riots that they were having when when mm-hmm. there were no fans and that was so like, eerie weird yeah, yeah it was eerie it was weird to watch every we could be watching a lot of that this year every hit sounded like a like a home run like that was. That yeah, because none thing. of the sound was drowned out at all. Yeah, it was just it was such a interesting, yeah, interesting thing. So you know, as you mentioned that, it reminds me of like that. That's probably why all the spring training ones sound so great is because the it's a less populated, smaller stadiums, and so they all sound like holy crap, that was the biggest crack in the bat ever. And it's like, well, well, it's because we can hear it so dang well. I didn't, even, I didn't really think about that to be honest until you just said that. I'm done. I'm done. Um, all right. So next up, Kenley. Kenley Jansen. He was really not himself last year. Spiked to a 371 ERA. That was up from 301 the year before, which which really wasn't Kenley-esque either. But that one came with a .99 whip. Uh, and so I don't think it brought as much. I think that was a slow start. Let me look at this 2018 by month. I think he had a slow start and then really leveled off and was himself. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, he had a 5.59 in April, and everyone was freaking out. And then crushed it. Had a bad August, but everything else was was great. So from from May on, he was great in 18. But then last year, it was kind of bumpy at at multiple different times. Then he had the heart condition, which he's had multiple times as well. So there's kind of that, which we don't really talk about. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, he he didn't really have the bad months. His big struggle was July August. But even uh, even last year was a little bit bumpy in terms of again a, th- a mid three ZRA is is a little bumpy for a reliever because we're so used to, especially guys like uh, Kenley we're used to them down at you know mid twos and below so you know when he was giving up runs in I think six straight or not no no it wasn't six straight out he gave up in four straight and six of seven 
in mid-April. I remember there was a little bit of uh, worry there and then got beaten up by San Diego for four runs. So there was a little run there from April 12th to May 5th when he had a 6.75 ERA. Like, here we go again with Kenley. But he smoothed out. He was fine. All in all, pretty good. He's been amazing in spring. And again, we don't go crazy on spring, but when there's an outlier, like 11 strikeouts, zero walks in six innings from a guy who we were having a little bit of concern from, that's got to be a bit heartening on Kenley Jansen, no? Yeah. I I mean, he finished out the year strong. I'm. You know, there's obviously some level of concern because he hasn't been the guy that we've known uh, in the past. But, I mean, dude's got a pretty, you know, steady, stable track record. He, he may not go back to the, being the elite guy that we once knew, but I, I don't see them, like, replacing him, uh, even though that bullpen isn't bad either. So I just think he's going to likely hold on to the role, and I think if, uh, you know, maybe there's an, you know, an IL stint somewhere in the season if he starts to struggle or something like that. Uh, but I don't know that while there is some talent in this bullpen, like, I don't know that there's anybody where I go – well, this guy could easily, you know, be better than Kenley Jansen. It's just a bunch of good guys. Like, no guy that I go, this guy's great. Yeah. Um, who would you prefer at their price between Diaz, Osuna, Jansen? I can get you some prices there. Diaz at 108, Osuna at 79, Jansen at 99. Osuna. Even though he's the most expensive, yeah, okay, I just think that's, he's and that's fair. I don't. The, I think he's got the the highest floor. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I can get behind that because of the uh, with Jansen. Are you saying because of the health too? Yeah, like I think that that, that that lingering heart health. Mm-hmm, the the heart health hasn't he? He said other. I feel like he's had other injuries too, but. Um, I think he's had other like yeah, like standard nagging. baseball ones. Yeah. but I'm the heart obviously. But like Osuna kind of has had nothing except for just being a knucklehead, a shitbag. Yeah, nah, well, and, and shit bag also, I mean, he dealt with some mental health issues as well. Well, that's true. Uh, that so I'm that not that putting on yeah, that's not being I'm a not calling him a shitbag for that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's really been it hasn't been like on the field stuff that has affected Osuna and. We assume at this point, though you should never assume, I guess, that people are like better people or, or you know, their mental health has gotten better unnecessarily. But we assume that he's going to be on the field. And so I just I think Osuna's got the safest floor, uh, followed by Jansen and then Diaz. Uh, like I said, I, I don't know that I would put Diaz even in this group, honestly. OK, OK. So you're not as fully bought back in on Diaz as others in the market and myself. Uh, and frankly, the ADP says that those two are a cut above him and maybe Diaz should have been a bit lower. So I, maybe I'm projecting my own uh, Diaz rebuy attitudes onto this, uh, onto this list I, here. I so. think I'm not as high on Diaz as other people. If you just rank out the relievers, you know, one through 30 or mm-hmm. you know, closers one through 30. But as a general rule, I'm willing to take, you know, the top, you know, top three tiers of closers earlier than the market anyway. So it kind of puts Diaz in a spot where I would get him at probably cost. That makes sense. That makes sense. Let's talk about the next best here. Another, this is a five pack of guys with all sorts of stuff here. We got a couple veterans who've been doing it for a while, some newcomers on the scene 
and a guy who hasn't even been the closer yet, but has impressed so much that the market is like super juiced on him. So we got Taylor Rogers and Liam Hendricks fulfilling the, uh, the roles of Edwin Diaz and Blake Trinan, because uh, it's funny with the Hendricks, by the way, because you know, another Oakland a that pops off. Now he didn't get pushed up quite as high. And I do think there is a little bit of the Trinan factor there where people are like, Whoa, let's, let's pump the brakes. Even though Hendricks is his own guy. And uh, he absolutely went off last year. They went from DFA to being a monster. Then Ken Giles and Brad Hand. And then the newcomer, the guy who's not even been a closer yet, but but the market loves and is pushing him way up, is Nick Anderson in Tampa Bay. So let's start with Rodgers in Minnesota. Remember, that, that situation was way up in the air last year. And I don't think Rodgers was really the consideration. It was Trevor May versus Blake Parker. And people were kind of staking their their claims there. I went with a lot of Trevor May, cheap, hoping that he he could get it. For some reason, they like did not want to pitch him early in the year. He was he was barely getting on the diamond, let alone in high leverage roles. It was really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, he still had he had a really good season: two ninety four ERA, one hundred seven WHIP, seventy nine strikeouts, and sixty four and a third for May, but only two saves. Like they just didn't want to do it. It Parker was, was getting up. There, he had some mechanical issues early on in the season, and I think the team knew or kind of saw what was going on with him. Uh, and if you look, like really struggled uh, in May uh, because of it. But you know, I mean, after August or you know after July ended, he was just unstoppable. Yeah, he was incredible. He really closed brilliantly. Trevor May did, but so everything was kind of cycling around there. And it ended up being Taylor Rogers, the lefty, which the that's another thing too, is that he he was never gonna be seen as like, oh, he's gonna get it. Because as a general idea, we, we kind of lean away from lefties because that's the way managers are. They they don't often go for lefties. So Rogers got the initial save, which immediately put him on our radar because that's how it is in fantasy. But then Parker got the next two. In fact, actually three. Then it was Hildenberger, Trevor Hildenberger. Then Parker again, but then two straight for Rogers. That was the last one of those was on April 21st. Then they didn't have another one for a week, April 28th. And Parker goes back to back. So to that point, it was back and forth, probably based on uh, matchups, you know, because Parker's righty, <clears throat> excuse me, and Rogers lefty. So they were probably going back and forth, back and forth. But then Rogers really started to take over in May. And then from June on, it was his job. And so he ends up with 30 saves, 261 ERA, one whip on the button, 90 strikeouts, and very nice 69 innings of work. Not his first good season. In fact, he's been good his whole career, just kind of hidden as a lefty, you know, as kind of a lefty guy that uh, we didn't really pay attention to. He was great in 18, 263 ERA, .95 whip. His ratios were actually better uh, with 75 strikeouts and 68 and a third. So... It is a pop-up guy in terms of being a closer, but it's not in terms of being a highly skilled pitcher. So do you have a lot of confidence in Rodgers this year and buying back in on him for a good team especially? Oh, this is one I have uh, some... I don't want to say like I'm scared about Rodgers. I'm very unsure of what we're going to get in terms of uh, save totals. So, and here's here's what, like, I think from a straight skills perspective, I think he's going to be a great reliever. I have no okay. doubt in that. 
from a team construct perspective, they have no other lefties in this bullpen. Oh, wow. He's the only lefty in the bullpen. I see that now. Like, I mean, as far as roster resource is concerned, now, I mean, they can obviously bring up another lefty. But who? Yeah. I'm I'm looking right now, like... uh... Blaine Hardy, it was a non-roster invite. Sam Clay, Danny Colombe, Caleb Thibar, Thielbar, excuse me. Who? You know, these guys are not very trustworthy. Blaine Hardy, I I experienced that as a Tigers fan. Like, he's kind of a loogie, which you can't be anymore because you got to face three batters. So, I mean, maybe they make Smeltzer or Lewis Thorpe? See, I think... Smeltzer, I, I think. I like... Thorpe a lot, so I kind of want him to get the starting opportunity. So Smelter could be the guy um, that that would fit in there and, and maybe be able to do some things. He's not overpowering, but I think he could definitely get. I think I think he definitely get outs. Well, and um, the problem too is this rotation has no lefties until Rich Hill is ready. Yes, like so. Not exactly. only, not they're lefty I, light man. I don't understand how they did not address this. Like this is. I mean, I. I realized this a few days ago, but like, uh, or I, you know, earlier in draft season, but like, like how did they not, uh, you know, address getting another lefty for this bullpen? Well, it would have been via trade, I guess, because who was really out there on the market? Sure, but I mean, you can always trade for a, a reliever. But you can still do it in season, I guess. They would agree with you, I guess yeah. they would say and say, yeah, we, we still can. And I'm looking at the rest of the teams in the division – Nobody's really lefty heavy. The only team that there aren't prominent lefties, and that's where you play most of your games. The only ones are switch hitters, and it's it's Lindor, Santana, Ramirez, and now Cesar Hernandez on Cleveland. So it for their division, it's not so bad. Obviously, you're going to face lefties across the rest of the league, but and maybe as a team, they're just deciding, hey, with this new three batter minimum rule. Mm-hmm. We we're not going to be able to play the matchup, so let's just get the best pitchers we can get in there. Let's so. ju- yeah, let's just go pure skills. So I don't think it's so bad uh, as we kind of flesh this out and look at it. Yeah, I have. So I I've been fading uh, Taylor Rogers, and like I said, it's not from a skills perspective at all. Because I think from a skills perspective, I think he has all the all the tools to be a fairly dominant reliever. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think Sergio Romo is gonna challenge him. Trevor May, like you mentioned, was uh, fantastic to end the season. Once he got the mechanical stuff kind of figured out uh, midsummer, he he was he was really really good to end the year and looks really really good in spring training. I watched uh, him pitch. Uh, maybe was it yesterday or I can't remember yesterday or the day before. Uh, he looks he looks very good. Uh, so I think May could get some kind of sneaky saves, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know that he's that the team is gonna replace Rogers with him unless Rogers struggle. But I think May would be the next man up. Okay, uh, not Sergio Romo. No, I, I mean I, th- I think it would, man, because he's got he's got so much experience. As a closer, I, I I really do. Like I love May. Um, big fan. He, he's a Twitch streamer, great guy. But I do think that they would actually go to Sergio Romo if something went astray with uh. Well, let's with see. How, I mean, let's see how Sergio Romo is <laughs> doing. I mean, he's thirty-seven well, yeah, years yeah. old. 
got 20 saves last year. He got 20 saves with the Marlins, Marlins before yeah. Orioles. He got a few, I think. I think he stole a few with uh, with Minnesota, but he got 17 with the Marlins. You know, uh, 343 ERA, 111 whip, strikeout per inning. Dude's still getting it done, man. Another Fernando Rodney type out there. In fact, he doesn't have any of the lows of Fernando Rodney. You know, Rodney keeps getting it done, uh, and if you kind of let him work through his troubles, he usually finds another strong patch of work. But with Romo, it's been pretty much all good. His worst ERA is 414 in 2018, which is not the end of the world either. So I don't know. I, I would lean Romo if you're doing a handcuff there. I like Trevor May a lot. His his skills are definitely better from a from a raw ratios and, and strikeout rate standpoint, I would I would believe. But he's not I don't think he's the next man up. I don't personally. Um, okay, let's move on then and talk Liam Hendricks. Like I said, it's it just fits so easily to kind of you know see the same thing with Trinan, um, and and I think that's what has people worried. But again, he's his own pitcher, man. Like let 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 his merits be judged on their own, not because of something that happened to Blake Trinan. Uh, I did mention that he was DFA'd, and so it was looking like he was going to be off this squad. Didn't get picked up, so stuck with the what with the team. Upped his velocity by two miles an hour. That was such a game changer for Liam Hendricks, uh, as you would expect it to be. Because 94 and a half is fine, but 96 and a half is a hell of a lot better. And uh, found this curveball that he could get a little bit more trust in, too. It's not a, you know, a major pitch for him, 8%, but up from like a 2-3% type usage. So something that he can go to in spots. It's really still fastball slider for Hendricks, but... He was he was great last year. There's really just no denying that the strikeout rates soared and had a commensurate swinging strike rate to go with it, going up to 17% on the swinging strike rate and 37% on the strikeouts, uh, compared to career marks of 11 and 23% respectively. Cut his home run rate more than in half, down to 0.5. Hit rate came way down after years of just kind of being mediocre. There, he, he allowed six and a half hits per nine. Everything looks good. Um, in fact, ERA and FIP are damn near equal at 180 and 187, respectively. So the skills back everything up that Hendricks did, at least for last year. What does he do for a repeat, though, at age 31? Liam Hendricks in Oakland. I mean, as long as he's got the velocity that he gained last year, I don't have a ton of worry on him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those situations where I don't know that the A's have a really great next option. I mean, I guess it would be Joaquin Soria. Mm, yeah. It's not going to be used Mara Petit. No, 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 no. Uh, no and that... Diekman is one of two lefties and is, I mean, really See, more of... I think, uh, sorry to sidetrack you there, just to go back to something we just talked about. I think Jake Diekman had to be re-signed this year. That could have been the guy that Minnesota could have got. I love I love Jake Diekman. I will admit it is very much MLB The Show influenced, so maybe he's not as good in real life as he is in that game. So maybe I shouldn't. He's still pretty uh, that good, though. Been, I, he's still good. Yeah, and that he's nasty. Like he battled like a major colon issue, if I recall correctly. He had some major issues that he was dealing with. That's why he didn't play in seventeen, basically. Um, so he's off the field for that, and he's bounced back. And 
is pretty good. Like the, the ERAs tell you otherwise. You guys are probably, if you're looking at his ERAs, like, come on, 473, 465. The skills are there, though. He walks too many guys, but he strikes out a ton. Uh, but anyway, that could have been that could have been the guy that, that maybe uh, Minnesota should have gone after for another lefty. But as far as the backup to Hendricks, I agree with you that it is Soria. What about somebody else who lost their mojo last year, which was Lou Trevino? Do you think there's any hope of him re- regaining what, what he showed with that magic in 2018? I mean, I don't know that we're going to see the magic uh, <laughs> back uh, that we saw in 18, but I, I mean, I don't think there's... I think he can get back to being a competent reliever. Uh, okay, so but sorry, so sorry as your handcuff. Let yeah. me let me use that as a jump off real quick to just ask you in general, how much do you handcuff, particularly with, say, top 12 types? or th- th- These first uh, three groups are, account for 11 guys. Actually, Nick Anderson's his own thing because you should always handcuff in Tampa Bay just because of what they do. But with your top guys that you're spending, say, a top 150 pick on at reliever, how much do you handcuff? I don't for the most part. Uh, I, I, for the most part, I, I mean, unless there's for some, unless I feel like one, the handcuff is going to offer me some sort of value, even just as a setup man, or, uh, I, I typically I'm going after other people's handcuffs. I'm not going to draft a reliever, at least in the top 200 picks that I don't feel confident has a really good chance of holding on to the role. So <laughs> if, I mean, if I'm trusting my you know, ability to identify talent and role, uh, then I'm trusting it. And then what I'm doing is I'm going to go get the handcuffs on the guys that uh, I don't feel confident about. So, like, if I don't feel confident about uh, Nick Anderson, I'll go dip into the lower end of that Tampa Bay pool uh, as opposed to handcuffing a guy like, you know, Taylor Rogers or, or Osuna. Okay. No, I, I, I actually share the, the same strategy of like i like my guy but let me go undercut you guys with some of the stuff that that you're doing there and try to get you know we didn't express major concerns about roberto zuna in fact quite the opposite but maybe i snake a ryan presley because even if he doesn't take the job he's doing a lot of big things with ratios and strikeouts anyway you know something like that so um i hear you on that with regards to handcuffing i don't think there is a great handcuff here with Liam Hendricks, so if you if you have concerns about him, just take it and 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 he, but and he's your guy. Just take him and and kind of get handcuffs elsewhere. Don't go for your own there in Oakland because I agree with you that it could be somebody random too. Oakland cultivates a new no, big. No one was on Liam every year. Yeah, no one no. was on Liam Hendricks last no, year. No, so not even like, close. Dude. Like, why am I going to play the game of trying to guess the next guy? Yep. Uh, that's what fab is for you, you you throw a buck on you know random reliever dude that is pitching well right now you know maybe it could be grant holmes you know it could be like james caprillion uh one of their prospect guys yeah, you know you, i mean you, you just never know and so like i'm i mean and this is kind of the general reliever strategy is is if you're going to like pay up for some of these guys then you're throwing the buck or two you know on guys that you see doing well in season to hope to pop, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm, I'm rarely the guy that, you know, I don't want to be the guy that spends 30% or 20% of my fab on a guy who just got the job. 
Like I'm, I'm gonna play the reliever guessing game, you know, with a, one of my spots on my roster throughout the season and hope I pop on it. Uh, but I want to leave the draft feeling like, okay, I've got say my saves taken care of, anyways. Okay, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on here. Where are we at? We got Ken Giles. Ken Giles in Toronto. I think the the question that everyone has is like, how long is he gonna last there? A fair question, although. I don't think that they're terrible this year. No, I think they. I think this is a team that could give, especially with all the injuries we've seen yeah. in the division and Boston trading away pieces. I mean, if Boston starts out slow with the combination of you know injuries and and the pieces that they've traded away, like why I'm wouldn't thinking, they just continue to sell? And I think I think that even if they don't sell, this Toronto team could be better than Boston could be. They're, they're a dark horse in that, you know, a dark horse has to have ifs. That's why they're they're a dark horse. So, it, you know, you got to go through the laundry list of, um, you know, the staff staying healthy with Ryu and Shoemaker in particular because they've dealt with the injuries. Chase Anderson and Shoemaker Roark have been. good the other yeah, day. Dude, he always does. It's all about health. And same with Ryu. When those two pitch, they're great. And so um, that's the biggest if, I would say. And then the development of the Young Bucks, the Kin Four, as I call them, Bichette, Biggio, Guerrero Jr., Vlad Jr., uh, some emergence of the guys returning down in the bottom half of the order, and then some some de- bullpen development behind Ken Giles. It's a lot of ifs, but that's why they're a dark horse. There's a path, though, at least. But if Last you're year, one you of could... these fantasy players that uh, is, like, all in on Biggio and Bichette, like, you should be all in on Giles, too. Because yeah, because you're you're projecting a lot of pr- production from that team. Yeah, and I mean I'm all in on Giles. I this, you know, I said I think did I say Yates was my top owned closer? Yeah, that, that's not true. Ken Giles is my top owned closer, and I know a lot of people are like, well, that's risky, you know. Well, you know, if I'm gonna get really good production, and most likely if he gets traded, he's gonna get traded to a contender that needs a closer. See, I agree with that. I don't think Giles would get traded to be a setup. Yeah, I don't think people are are, are gonna. Be, I don't think teams are uh, gonna take on him without the idea that he is their closer. Uh, and I mean, who knows if they can even trade him? He's in the last year of his deal. He's not gonna like return a huge. You know, he's not. They're not gonna get a huge return. It may just be beneficial to them, even if they're not necessarily in the race. To just, just run it him. out. Just run it yeah. out, you know, and and potentially o- and offer him a qualifying offer and see if you can get a draft pick back. He was truly brilliant last year, Giles was. And I think it was a little bit under the radar. He only had 23 saves. I think that's part of why, because uh, he threw 53 innings. But a 187 ERA and a one whip and 83 strikeouts in those 53 innings for Giles. He's still just 29, man. He's been around for a while. Remember Jason and I were a year early on him. A long time ago, putting our eggs in that basket. A year and early going, and about five rounds too early. Shut up. <laughs> you say the same thing twice, though. It, it, w- it wouldn't have been early if he had gotten the job. You know, it wouldn't have been five rounds too early if he had gotten the job. Was it Brad Lidge that they stuck with? Or no, Papel, Papel Douche. Yeah, or something. I, I, care. I can't remember, but it, it hurt. But either way, it sucked. Yeah, we took him. We were kind of planting, planting the flag there. Planting the flag, we're planting. I almost said it again on accident. We're planting the flag. You on were Giles. definitely planting the flag. 
Yeah, we right, ended, that's up, what ended up happening. Yeah, we tried to plant it. We planted it instead. Uh, but I like him. I actually, I actually like Ken Giles a decent bit. If you missed that first run of more of the 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 sexy guys that everyone's like really interested in, and in, in the flash and dash at the top end, I still think getting Giles, you can get back to that 30, 35 saves this year uh, as long as he stays healthy. So uh, Ken Giles, Toronto, good pick there. Next up is Brad Hand. He had a weird season last year. Oh, well, Cleveland did in general. I mean, I think the thing that's like underrated about them is that they won 93 games despite everything going wrong. You had one of your best guys deal with leukemia, and that, that was horrific. You had your your ace uh, pitch like seven games, and they were all bad, and and they still won 93 games. So, you know, what what can they do this year? Like they, that's why I think trading Kluber. It's like, well, yeah, they didn't get as much as we all believe that they should have, but they did well without him, so they don't necessarily need him. They do need Carrasco, though, who is dealing with some injuries, so hopefully he gets back on track. But it was a little bit up and down for Brad Hand. There was a period there where he was awful. He couldn't get out of his own way, so he ends up with a 330 ERA and a 124 whip, which is really high for a reliever. But he still had 84 strikeouts and 57 in the third. Um, if Classe was healthy, so that... that Kluber trades already uh, having a little bit of trepidation because Klasse is out now for like two plus months. But if he was healthy, I think Hand would be a little bit scarier because they would kind of want to, you know, anoint Klasse if something went wrong. But there are still some interesting uh, backups there, including one that everyone loves. He's this guy's the the hot uh, ratios strikeout guy that people are going to want to have to supplement their staff, and that's James Karinchek. Are you familiar with this guy? A little bit, but... Let me give you an idea of what he did last year. Do you want to get just guess his strikeout rate? How about that? Oh, I I know what it is. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I I just haven't seen him pitch a whole bunch because I wasn't really watching a lot of Indians games last year. Uh, I'm fading hand for multiple reasons. Is it because Karinczak had a 60% strikeout rate last year? 59.2 in the minors. I'm rounding it up because I'm a nice okay, guy. 60. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that. That's that's unreal. Sixty, dude. <laughs> Seventy-four <laughs> strikeouts and thirty in the third innings, and then he came up to the majors and he was a loser who only yeah, had a thirty-six and a half. Thirty-six, <laughs> dude. Come on, no. uh, the guy's insane, man. Like it, it's crazy. So your fading hand, is it? How much is it hand? How much is it uh, lurkers in the bullpen behind him that could take the job? Uh, I think it is uh, one-third lurkers, one-third hand, one-third. If hand is good, we could reasonably see him get traded midseason, and he would be a setup guy. That's true, because he could be the lefty for a team. Like, he'd be great in Minnesota. I was going to say that. (laughs) I was literally going to say that. And Karinczak's not the only one. Uh, Nick Whitgren had a really nice year last year too. And now he's showing that maybe he could handle the job himself. He even got four saves. I think he was kind of there to uh, support hand when, when things were going astray in the summer. And then of course, like I said, everyone's going to want Karinczak in there. So, okay. So you're breaking it up in the, in the thirds there. Brad hand is pick one Oh eight. So you're out on that. Yeah. Much rather have Giles. For sure. Five picks later. I mean, at the same ADP, I don't care. Diaz versus hand, your 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 hand or your Diaz, right? Yeah. 
Okay, and they're going at the same pick. Yeah, like they're, they're, I they're mean, like honestly, right I, I'm taking Kimbrel above. That ah, uh, that was my. Don't don't trump me. Yeah, that's not on the sheet or anything. That was in my. Don't get in my brain. I was gonna literally ask you if you would take Kimbrel. And a spoiler alert: I, I would take Archie Bradley above. <laughs> really? Okay, so Archie Bradley is like much lower in our next tier as yeah, far Archie as Archie Bradley goes. is like my favorite guy. That's in your the guy. Next tier. Yeah. Just finally the freaking year that he like goes off off. We'll get to him in a moment, yeah, but yeah. okay. So you are fully out on hand. Yeah, I'm fully out on hand, and I might as well be fully out on Nick Anderson because I'm not paying the price uh, for for Nick Anderson. It's just like there's no guarantee in Tampa Bay that he's the guy. Pick 140 right now. Um, I will tell you, I'm looking since March 2nd again, the same dates that we did yesterday. Oh, well, well March 2nd through the 12th. Um, so it includes yesterday's drafts. And so that's a 29 draft sample. And Nick Anderson is pick 140. He is the, you know, you're talking about gaudy strikeout rates. When he came over to the uh, Rays after being traded from the Marlins in, in intra Florida deal there. He put up a 53% strikeout rate in 21 to the third. He went, he went all James Karinchek on them at the major league level, and he went off. And then they traded Emilio Pagan, and so it was all hands on deck. Now I liked, I had already gotten some Nick Anderson shares before Pagan, so that was great. But now all hell broke loose and shot his ADP up through the freaking roof, and I. I share your trepidation here with that one. Like with hand, I, I'm nervous as well. I've I found myself bypassing him. I'm not as, you know, get him away from me as you are. I think there are uh, some guys I would take him over or take over him. Giles for sure. Um, I don't think Kimbrel. What about Rysel Iglesias, who's in the next no, year too? Would you take? I I am so afraid Iglesias loses his job really fast and never has a chance to get it back. Okay. Okay. What about uh, one more Hector Neris? I and I'm not of... necessarily at well, one one thing, not necessarily at hands price, but but like maybe around like yeah, I just mean wait. I have more. I already have a share of Hector Neris. I have no shares of hands, so I think that okay. speaks to I feel more comfortable taking Neris at his price, uh, getting the better hitter or starting pitcher at hands price, and 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 doing that. So okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That that that's what I was asking. But anyway, back to Nick Anderson and the Rays. I think it's like eight straight years or something where they've had a new saves leader and they're going to this year too, because of Pagan's trade. But the thing of it is they always seem to just kind of fluctuate a little bit. And it's not even necessarily this guy for righties, this guy for lefties, because the top two guys last year were Pagan and Castillo 20 and eight respectively on the saves. And they're both righties. There was, you know, seven for Jose Alvarado, but 11 different guys got saves for them. And, um, you know, only 20 for Pagan. So as good as his ratios were and everything, he threw 70 innings. It's not like he threw a shortened season. He had 70 innings, but he only got 20 saves. So Nick Anderson's price soaring, you're out on. What do you project for him, though? Let's let's talk more about numbers then since you're not paying the price. But what do you think he can really do this year in a 65-inning season with that uh, insane strikeout rate we saw last year? Oh, I mean, I think he could. I mean, I, I think he'll likely repeat last season with better ratios. 
He had a 42% strikeout rate all told when you add in his Marlins numbers. 7% on the walks, 332 ERA, 108 whip. You think the ratios could get better. How many saves then? How about that? Oh, 17? 20 maybe? 40, that's like tough, that's... dude. So it's Pagan all over again. You just, you're just yeah. ma- basically making him Pagan, but at a much higher cost. Like the closers are going around him. Kimbrel's uh, Iglesias and Kimbrel are just above him, and then Brandon Workman, Alex Colomay, Hansel Robles, uh, um, Jose Leclerc, your boy Archie Bradley are all within about a round of him, uh, of Nick Anderson. So, do you take all? The, well, you're out on Iglesias, so we'll put that one to the side. You're, do you take all those other guys over Nick Anderson? No, because again, it was Workman, Colomay, Robles. Leclerc, Bradley. We know Bradley. I'll let, I'll let you go off on him in a moment. What about the other guys? I don't think I do. Only because I know, if, even if, let, let's say Anderson's not getting all the saves, he's still going to be great. Yes. Like I, that, I, That's I, why I still like him, but the price is too high. Like, I would take Anderson over Brad Hand, because I know at least I'm going to get strikeouts, I'm going to get a lot of ratios, uh, stabilization. Oh, wow, I, I totally butchered that. <laughs> stabilization. <laughs> stabilization. Hey, stop playing your plague, dude. Yeah, wow, it's 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 uh, the Can't Speak podcast. Um, like, I, I know I'm going to get a really, really good pitcher. I may not get the saves that I was looking for, uh, but I still am going to get a very, very good pitcher with the potential that if they do give him the role, this is going to be a very good team. Um, if let's is say this... they, let's say they, I mean, wasn't it Rodney that they just gave the role to? Bingo! I was gonna say this is the best reliever they've had since the Rodney uh, explosion year. Explosion in a good in a good sense. This way, usually we say it for a negative. But the first year they got Rodney, he put up a .6 ERA and a .78 WHIP. He was nuts, and he got 48 saves, and then 37 the next year. I think this is the best skilled reliever that they've had since then. I'm going to put it this way. It would not surprise me to see him as the number one closer at the end of the season. It also would not surprise me to see him not get to 20 saves. It's 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 that, like, that it's, back it's, and forth. It's a boomer bust. And the question yep. is, what kind of stones do you have to take him at 140? So what about this then? Maybe you just plan for it with... with Nick Anderson, if you have Hater, would you be open to taking him then because you have the the strength of Hater and you're still getting, you know, he's your he's your C2 or your closer to Nick Anderson is and you're still getting those brilliant ratios and strikeouts. I think I or is that- would. You know, it might be something where you go, okay, you've already got Hater, you've got Yates, you got Chapman. You got one of those three. Mm-hmm. You take Anderson and you go, okay, at the end, I'm going to do a bunch of dart throws on Bingo. relievers. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm going to grab me uh, Daniel Hudson. I'm going to grab me, you know. Um, Hunter Harvey. Yeah, Hunter Harvey. I'm going to grab me. Oldberg. Uh, don't, don't do Colorado. Just, just Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, right, right. Forget I know, said that. Matt McGill or Hirano. Uh, you know, maybe Brandon Kinsler. You, but, like, I would not. Like, if you're in a 15-team league, typically you walk out of that draft going, okay, I've got 
two, I got two closers and I have, you know, maybe a dart thrower too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not walk out if, if Nick Anderson was one of my closers, I would not walk out with less than three closers. Yes, I think that's fair. I'd, I'd be planning like it was a 12-team league. And then, and would, so, in 12-team leagues, when you go, I want to walk out with three closers, you better walk out with four. Yes. With Nick Anderson, you're saying. Yes, if you've got Nick So, Anderson. basically, you can get him. Just plan for the extra and make it make a plan for Nick Anderson. I agree with this. Get one of the premium studs at the top, Nick Anderson, and then get some, get some saves potential elsewhere. Okay, cool. Um, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with that. I, I'm still a little nervous on this price, but the right scenario would still get me in there because the strikeouts are so good. You know, what if I also, my starters are, you know, I've got a little bit of strikeout. Uh, I'm a little light there with like a Soroka or a Kyle Hendricks that, that would encourage me to maybe even be more interested in Nick Anderson and pay the premium because he would supplement one of those type of guys. So, and, okay, I mean, cool. And, and let's let's talk too. Like, I mean, he's his max pick is 170. So he, like, yeah, he can still come down from 140. I mean, when he gets past, you know, Archie Bradley's ADP is 155. He gets past Archie Bradley, and then I really start thinking about it because then you start, you know, diving into the Joe Jimenez's and the Keone mm-hmm. Kellas of the world. And I would much rather get it at least know that. You know, I may not get all the saves I want, but the upside is there, and I know I'm going to get a really good pitcher. Exactly. No, I'm I'm with all that. Okay, so I think we've kind of started pretty negative on Anderson because of his price and, and carved out the ways that we would get him and in what situations. So I'm in uh, to a degree here, especially if he gets lower than that, that 140 ADP. That's Nick Anderson in Tampa Bay. Let's go to the next tier that's like, they're good, not great. They all have kind of some sort of question mark uh, surrounding them. Craig Kimbrell, Hector Neris, Keone Kayla, Rysel Iglesias, Brandon Workman, Archie Bradley, Jose LeClerc. You gave us a spoiler that Archie Bradley is your favorite here. Who's your second favorite guy that's most likely to become a stud this year that we look back and say, damn, remember when I I bypassed all your uh, your Hendricks and your, your Rodgers and your Jansons and Osunas, and I got this monster. Who is it besides Bradley? And then we'll get into uh, Bradley for you. It's Kimbrell. I, I, and I know a lot of people are really scared on Kimbrell considering what he did last year, but... Uh, and his spring, I think, is furthering that, yeah. which I don't I don't agree. Like, I understand having some some trepidation based on last year, but I'm not I'm not that worried based on the spring necessarily. Yeah, I, I'm not super worried about it either. So, uh, I I mean, obviously there is some risk here, but when you start talking about this tier and the next tier and well every tier that comes, uh, you know, after that. Like, there, there's risk in closers. This is why I play in the upper tiers for the mm-hmm. most part, because I don't want to play this game. But he's got the contract through, what, 2021 with a 22 vesting option. Though who yes. knows if he'll get that. Uh, I mean, he still has the strikeouts. Walks have always been an issue for Kimbrel outside of, like, that one dream season in, in 2017 with the Red Sox. Uh, so, but the thing is, when who's behind him too? And like that's, 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 that's my big thing. One, he's got the contract and two, like, I don't even like if we played the 
reliever or U.S. Congressman. congressman game. Could you honestly, before we started this podcast, told me that you you know knew that uh, Kyle Ryan wasn't like from the Idaho. first district of yeah Tennessee? Like it's like it's Rowan uh, Wick. Yeah, he's done some. He's had some good legisl- legislation get through, mm-hmm. man. He's done some good work. I yeah. see big things for him. I Future. mean, Dwayne Underwood Jr. He only got in because of his dad, man. There was some, there was some sketchy politics there. Oh Trev- no, he's a Trevor. Okay. Is it McGill? Uh, yeah, likely has a, a challenger in the primary. So, oh, you think? Okay, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> These I, are their. Really I thought it was McGill, honestly, and then I took a closer look, throwing my glasses on. Apparently, uh, uh, I was like, that- oh no. Miguel. That Muggill, Trevor Miguel. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I hear you on that with Kimbrell. Like I said, he you know he's he's only throwing two and two thirds in spring. So the fact that he's giving up three runs is stuffs through the roof. Six strikeouts, one walk. That's why I don't care about that. And I I would actually go with Kimbrell as my best guy in this tier. You do like Bradley Moore. Let's talk about the Bradley love here because you are uh, you spoiled it earlier. You said that you love him. So what is it about Archie Bradley that you think this is finally going to be the full on stud season? The one part I definitely share with you is I'm big on the D backs this year. So I think the opportunities are definitely going to be there, but talk to us about why he's going to be your, uh, your, your go-to guy with, with saves here. Yeah. So in the second half last year, he had a one seventy one ERA, uh, 33 strikeouts in 31 and two thirds innings, only six earned runs, only gave up two, uh, home runs during that span. The walks uh, were good. I mean, he was lights out in uh, in the second half. Uh, kind of just became the guy that we always thought he would be as a starter. Um, and I think people are weighing him down because of those first half numbers. But, I mean, he was fantastic. And like you said, the Diamondbacks uh, have that team that I think are going to win a lot of games. I do too, man. I like them. The projections are, are pretty calm on them. I, I I don't get it, man. They got a good rotation, good deep rotation, lineup. It's yeah. not superstar laden, but there are stars there, and then uh, there's some good bullpen pieces even behind Bradley there. Yeah, but I don't think like good enough where anybody's going to jump. No, 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 no. Yeah, I wasn't implying that at all. I'm saying like capable. Kevin mm-hmm. Ginkle, Hector Rondon, Andrew Chafin from the left side, um, and then they can cultivate some more. Merrill Kelly, since he's not going to be starting, can can be there. Um, okay, so you like Bradley? He's going to be at 27. Time for that uh, full four season here. I've been on the Bradley train in previous years, so I, I want you to be right. I'm I'm with you as far as like, let's go. I will get Bradley shares for sure. Uh, let's get back to the top of the tier though, um, or at least as far as they're they're listed, not necessarily in terms of skill. But Hector Neris, Keone Kalo, Rysel Iglesias, Brandon Workman, Jose Leclerc. Let's talk about Hector Neris. It was all about David Robertson last year. I couldn't get enough shares. And that flopped. That blew up in my face. It was not good. And then Sir Anthony Dominguez, cool name, big-time flamethrower, awesome. That one didn't really pan out. Now he's got some elbow discomfort this year. I think as far as, like, trustworthiness, it's huge for Neris because there's nobody behind him. With Dominguez a little bit nicked up, who the hell is going to do anything to take that job away from Naris? So they I kind of like the him opposite problem. Too. The opposite problem of the Twins. They they got the most left-handed bullpen I think I've seen in years. Yes, they got four guys in there right now with Adam Morgan, Ranger Suarez, 
Jose Alvarez, and then non-roster invite Francisco Liriano. Or Liriano. Who the fuck's Liriano? Oh, he's Ramon's brother. Uh, Francisco Liriano. So, I mean, Neris was great. Um, he, he really was great for a lot of periods last year. The overall numbers, if my page will load, I can give them to you. The overall numbers were a 293 ERA, 102 whip, 28 saves, and a 33%, 32% strikeout rate with a 18% swinging strike rate, which hints at maybe some upside even for his strikeouts. He was back at 37% strikeout rate in 18, so he could get back to that this year. Do you trust Naris? I do. I think I probably need to have him above Kimbrel. Uh, I just think I, he's safer. I already do, so I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. So I think I'll probably move him above Kimbrel. I just think he's a bit safer, uh, has the same kind of benefit that Kimbrel has in that there's not much any, not really anybody on this team uh, that I look and go, oh, well, he's obviously either the better pitcher or going to pass him. I mean, all the guys that we've been worried about with Neris are currently injured. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I mean, who knows how long Sir Anthony Dominguez is out for it you know, with elbow discomfort. Uh, I don't know when either David Robertson or, or Tommy Hunter are going to come back. I don't even know if they'll come back this year. I don't even think, yeah, uh, Robertson's Tommy John was in August of last year. He's not He's not pitching this year. So It ain't happening. I mean, unless, I mean, this is a team that could obviously, if they're competing, could bring in a Brad Hand. They could bring in a Ken Giles. Sure. Uh, that might be the one spot if they brought back Giles. That might be the one spot where they don't necessarily, um, where he doesn't necessarily close because of Neris. Yeah, potentially. I don't think they're going to go and get a guy unless they, unless Neris isn't, you know doing well either though okay i mean they, 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 could, they could go i don't think they'll go get a giles type guy at least uh okay. I, th- I think they would go get someone I, I don't even know off the top of my head who uh but maybe you know just kind of a setup guy a guy who's been a traditional setup guy uh but i think uh yeah i think naris is pretty safe i feel pretty comfortable with him uh and so yeah i should probably push him above Kimbrel, I don't think I'm pushing him above Bradley for me. That's fine. I I, I can I can uh, get behind all of that there with regards to what we're doing with Hector Neris. Let's talk about Keone Kella then. Um, so well liked, everyone loves him, dude. Just such a <laughs> uh, people aren't a big fan of. Uh... <laughs> Um, of Keanu Kelly, but it looks like he has the job going in. I think uh, the new manager was already on record saying, you know, he's got the job right now. Um, there are some guys who could kind of give him some run if he if he sputters, but not really. Like I, I think he's like pretty he's pretty safe as far as it goes. Do you trust him? Oh uh, no, I don't, and I don't love the team he's going to be playing for. Uh, I mean. You know, good news for Pirates fans, Giants fans, uh, Orioles fans, Tigers fans, is your team can't lose 100 games if we're not playing 100 games this year. We don't play 100, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think he's, like you said, I think he's probably fairly safe, and uh, I think it is unlikely that, I mean, Kyle Crick is somewhat interesting, um, but Kel has dealt with injuries 
Uh, he if he does perform well, he'll probably be first person shipped out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there are uh, like he's a guy that like could go to Philadelphia and be uh, you know be a setup man for 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 Neris. That, yep. That'd probably be really good for them. So yeah, I just I, I'm not buying the shares. You know, just I'm, I'm just kind of staying away from that whole situation. Really, outside of the starting rotation, for the most part, uh, and I think one or two exceptions in in their lineup, I'm pretty much staying away from Pittsburgh in general. Yeah, uh, I I've got some pitchers I like. Joe Musgrove, I can't quit him. Mitch Keller, but it's not a team I want to be loaded up on. That's for darn sure. No, I mean Josh, Let's talk, uh, Josh Bell, Brian Reynolds, yeah, Musgrove, Keller. Uh, and then, yeah, that's about it. Uh, let's talk. You mentioned way out on Rystel Iglesias. You don't see any sort of bounce back here. The the thing of it is, there are options for days who you could feasibly imagine overtaking him and, and running with that job. If you just look at the base scales, 32% strikeout, 8% walk, 15% swinging strike. It's like, why was he so bad? Well, home run rate, 1.6, up, up from 1.5 the year before. So home run rate's been de- home run trouble has been developing, and then the hits went up to 8.2, which was pretty bad. So you're nervous on him. What? Uh, give us some more information on why you're so nervous about uh, about Rizzo Iglesias not holding that job. I mean, the happy fun ball definitely did not help, but I, like you mentioned, I don't think that was necessarily the reason why his home run rate has been going up. Uh, and I just worry that there are so many good options in this bullpen, and this is a team that has made a decision they're going to try to compete now. And all it takes is a few shaky outings or a few mm-hmm. blow-ups early on in the season, and the Reds go, no, yeah, you're 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 going to the minors, you're <laughs> going to, uh, you know, the you know, front end of the bullpen. Yeah. Or just, yeah, just, just going down and roll lower leverage. And, and we have, you know, four guys here that can do what you do. Um, and I just, it's, it's not that I think he will be awful. I think it, the, the probable outcomes that whether or not he's going to be very good or very bad tend to lean towards very bad. And, I just think they're going to have a quick hook on him. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I just, you know, Lorenzen, Garrett, they just signed Strope. Robert Stevenson was fantastic. Uh, like, it's, like, these, like, they have Lucas four... Sims, don't sleep on what yeah. Sims could maybe do. Like, uh, they just got options for days, man. Like, and people are like, well, Amir Garrett can't because he's lefty. Cody Reed is actually a real, you know, pretty good as a reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they don't need to worry about oh we're gonna make Amir Garrett the closer now we don't have a lefty yeah they they have that solution in there uh, I'm yeah I I just I like Amir Garrett by the way I love lot. Amir Garrett it just uh, and I liked him before he wanted to find a whole team but mm-hmm. that just that ad, that added to it I'm not gonna lie yeah yeah that, no. that added to it that was dope <laughs> so like I I mean I loved him as a potential starter as a prospect and. You know, I think the fact that they've moved him into a relief role, uh, I think he could be a dominant reliever. And so, uh, I yeah, I'm I'm just worried about yeah one or two bad you know outings or you know two or three bad outings, and all of a sudden that that he is never getting that chance back for Rice Iglesias. Okay, um, I, I can't really disagree with that. 
Uh, we'll go deep on these next two, and then and then we'll start to rapid fire because we're getting a little lengthy on these uh, on these relievers. And there's really a cliff after this. Brandon Workman, kind of quietly, like it's you know weird to say about a Boston team, but they were an 84 win club, so they weren't that good. So he kind of quietly overtook that job. It was like Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes were the guys early, but then Workman went ahead, snaked that job, got 16 saves. Had a really great season, 188 ERA, 103 whip, 104 strikeouts in 71 and two-thirds. The big thing was 10 wins, those 10 sneak tip wins. You can never bet on those going forward. You just have no idea. But as far as an overall fantasy season, that was incredible. So even though he only got you the 16 wins, and AL only might have been the only time where you were getting all of it. We look back on those, and it's like, well, who had him in – uh, you know, the early part of the year when he wasn't getting saves and he was getting those wins. But if you just judge it on a, as a season on its own, Brandon Workman was really good. He comes in with the job this year. Do you have trust in Brandon Workman? He's, he's a bit older. Like This is not some up-and-comer. He's uh, age 31 coming into 2020. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> 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 We're talking about a guy that... Uh, I mean, last year, yes, he did not give up home runs. Like, he gave up one home run all season long last year. Uh, and you don't this, think he can repeat that? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I can't even say it with a straight face. Yeah, I, not only can he not repeat it, he's a guy who's had a serious home run problems in his career. Yes, it was a dream season for him last year, but in that dream season, 5.65 walks per nine. If those home runs even just normalize, like oh, it doesn't two and three run homers, man. Yeah, it doesn't need to like balloon back up to the one three one or the one five nines of his past in terms of homer oh. per nine. But if Brandon Workman is walking five and a half batters per nine with a regular home run rate that every projection system expects him to have, uh, yeah, he he's he's gonna be in some real trouble and. Uh, like Boston fans will not stand for him just blowing the few wins that they're getting. Uh, especially if this team starts the to few sell. wins. Okay, <laughs> not, well, I mean, well, I mean, if we're not playing hundred games this year, everybody True. only gets a few wins. Um, it's turning into the NFL season where all you gotta do is get on a hot streak <laughs> for a few weeks and you're in. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Red Sox got into the playoffs with a ten and two record. Um, they really surged late after losing the first two. They won ten in a row. So yeah, I yeah I do not trust Brandon Workman at all. Uh, Matt Barnes is an interesting dude uh, to take a to sh- take a shot on. Uh, you know, reports are he looks good in spring training. I haven't seen him pitch, so I, I can't say that for myself. Uh, and I think he's probably first man up for sure. I mean, so. I. I- I don't say that for sure as if I have confirmation. That's my opinion is that I agree with you that he for sure is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think I'm, I'm completely fading Brandon Workman. He's a longhorn, which makes him infinitely cooler than most. But, uh, I, I tend to agree here. I'm not, I'm not paying for it. There's other guys I'd rather have around there. So I, I, I get it. Let's, uh, let's move on then. Jose LaCroix, like I said, our last deep dive. Then we'll start to speed up here for the last handfuls. Um, I I go back and forth every day on Jose LaCroix. Sometimes I think, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is 
he's he's got this job locked down. Uh, and then some days I go, man, his we saw the volatility in his profile. What was it? I mean, it's been every other year with him. Yeah, he's, got, mean, he's got that every other year vibe going. And I mean, he lost the role at one point last year. Mm-hmm. So like, you can't tell me. But then they gave him the contract. I know. Like I know, I, dude. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, if there's a team that is close to as frustrating as the Rockies, sometimes it's the Rangers. Um, yes. So I mean, uh, I I want to say that I feel pretty confident with that contract and looking at the guys behind him in the bullpen. I know there's some Rafael Montero fans out there. Uh, I, you know, and Cody Allen is a non-roster invite and is expected to make uh, make the bullpen here. But this bullpen has been awful for years. Um, it's been so bad. I mean, that's part of why they've they've been like bullpen. It's kind of the it's like the last thing that you should get when you're kind. Of, it should be the finishing touch on a rebuilding team. Um, but do they have anybody in Texas that you would even trust to, to usurp LeClerc? Uh, not necessarily. I you mean, know, you know who's been getting some juice is Jolie Rodriguez returning from overseas. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of guys have been getting a little bit of juice here and there. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I get, I really don't know. I don't. There's no one I would feel comfortable with, that's for sure. I mean, these obviously guys like Montero and Rodriguez and Cody Allen are the guys that you see are pitching well. And even though maybe LeCurk hasn't blown any saves, you just go dart throw, I'll hold him on my roster for two weeks. Um, and and see if, you know, if LeCurk blows two saves in a row, well, now maybe I just inherited the, the Rangers closer. The problem is the contract, I think, gives LeClerc not just some staying power, but second chance power. And we saw that last year. Like it, it, the fact that he's got that contract, he got another shot at the role and then took it back mm-hmm. over. And so I think there's a chance in, you know, in some leagues where he's going to get drafted and then dropped at some point, And then you just pick him back up. You pick him up, stash him, and he's going to get that role oh. back at some point. Uh, I just don't know that I necessarily want to play that on my roster, uh, especially with liking some of the guys in the next tier. All right, so let's get into that next tier. First things, uh, you know, a lot of it's uncertain situations um, that that we just we don't know on a lot of them. And let's go at the top here with uh, Giovanni Gallegos, and then we'll get into Washington the Angels, the Braves, and your Giants. Gallegos looks like the guy, but they haven't said it. Uh, he kind of earned it the way with what he did last year, but Ryan Helsley is the one that people have been kind of sneak tipping. John Brebbia has been good. Uh, Martinez back in the rotation means it's not going to be Carlos Martinez. That's why it's open. Do you believe Giovanni Gallegos is the guy? And if so, are you, are you trusting him with a, with a you know higher draft pick than where he's mostly been going? I think he's likely the guy to start the year, but I don't know that I trust him at all to keep the role. Like you just mentioned, like four names of people that could come in, and that's the tough part. I don't think Gallegos has the track record uh, in order to fend off people if he gets blown up a couple times. 
So I'm I'm not like this is like it's guys like this is why people say don't pay for saves, mm-hmm. uh, you know because he's definitely a guy that could lose the role. But I, I I'm not I'd much rather uh, like invest in a dart throw in like uh, Heasley or uh, Briba um, or Bribia, uh, as opposed to investing you know more draft capital in a guy like Gallegos. I'm so torn on this one, dude, because I'm kind of in on the um, on the Ryan Helsley love. He's he's really interesting. He was good in the in the playoffs for them, and you know he's an interesting prospect who could also maybe start. But he relieved last year for 36 and two thirds, and then pitched well in the playoffs as well in five and a third sample, small sample. But you know, it might stick in the bullpen. Uh, that might the bullpen uh, you know calls it sticky. Once you kind of get in there. You can kind of stay in there. So I'm not so worried about the starter thing. I just don't know if he's going to overtake Gallegos, who was so good last year. I understand what you're saying, that it's a relatively new thing. But part of that is that he's also uh, relatively new to the majors. This was only his first full season. He had 11 and a third and 20 and a third samples in 17 and 18. I think Gallegos actually holds it uh, to a relatively sharp degree. And so... I'm kind of interested in taking him. If I waited on saves or if I go premium guy and then wait for my second and third, if I go hater and then I just kind of punt the middle and I don't get our boy Bradley or like a Neris or even like a Giles or Nick Anderson, I think I'm I think I'm looking at Gallegos. Everything's backed up in what he did last year as far as skills. 33% strikeout, 6% walk, 16% swinging strike, relatively solid home run rate at 1.1, which isn't terrible. 5.4 hits per nine. The Babbitt was tiny, but that's relievers. They can be tinier than normal. I don't think it goes back up to 300. So I kind of like the 28-year-old Gallegos. I think I'm a. I think I'm going to invest a bit. Yeah, not for me. I. Okay. Yeah, I feel would feel better about taking some of the other guys in this tier. All right, let's go to Washington. Sean Doolittle, I think, has the job as long as his body will hold out. Problem is, he's been getting injured seemingly every year. They re-signed Daniel Hudson, a move I love. He's been, it was so so good for them. Very instrumental in what they did last year. They also brought in Will Harris, who I'm not listing here because I don't really. I do think it is Doolittle and Hudson, but Harris is lingering. I think he's going to be their premium setup guy. Their bullpen's a strength this year, though. They actually have some depth to their bullpen, even if Doolittle goes down. It used to be Doolittle and a merry band of idiots, and if anything happened to him, then all hell broke loose. Now they actually have some backup. Doolittle's healthy and upright right now. Are you tr- are you trusting him as somebody who you can get 25 saves from? He's He's gone 24, 25, 29 the last three years. Nope, because I don't think he's the guy. His home runs soared last year, by the way, up to 1.7. And I, I should point that out. You think Hudson's the guy? Uh, Hudson's the guy they they counted on in the playoffs. They counted on in the World That's Series. true. They bring him back. I I think Hudson – I mean, I think they're going to probably split time early on, but I think Hudson's the guy. Like, I think I, I think he – you know, health has been an issue for him over the course of his career, but – uh, unless he completely falls apart, like Hudson has been like my third closer in every draft. I tr- at least I try to get him. So me and Colin Weatherwax obviously fighting I'm over getting, him a lot. But <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting hell I'm getting hell Hudson shares too. So I'm, I am with you on on getting him. But you think he could be day one? I think he could. 
I, I mean, okay. have they said anything one way or the other? I haven't seen anything uh, personally, so I'm I'm not. I mean, Jeff Zimmerman did a mining this news on three eleven and, and mentioned, or you know, it's it's listed in Doolittle's uh, thing. So let me see what he said. Expected to be the closer over Daniel Hudson. Uh, well, I don't know where. Oh. Wow. So maybe. Okay. I mean, I, I still am. I I would rather you know get the cheaper guy, and and hope that that. Uh, that pays off. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I I could get both. I would. That's actually a spot where I would do the hand. Yes. Like I would I would get both and just and just take on because they're both really good. Now Doolittle had a tough year last year. Like he wasn't himself fully, but if he has health, if he has for when he's healthy, I think he's going to be good. And then Hudson, I would take both of these guys in, in a lot of different situations. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, even the article that Jeff references, like, it's the, the writer says he's expected to assume, Doolittle's expected to assume the closer role uh, with Hudson, but it, it like, there, there's no, like, quote from any sort of team official. It, it seems like just speculation, and, I mean, if you, if you're trusting a guy to close out the World Series, you should be, yeah. you should be trusting him to on day one and so uh i i don't know how much stock i'm putting into that report uh and you know i'm sure people will send me tweet or tweet at me showing me you know places where maybe the team has said that uh because i haven't seen it but uh i still even if the team has said well you know doolittle's our guy the guy in the playoffs the guy when it mattered when when they were trying to get a ring was hudson and uh, I even if Doolittle starts off with getting the majority at first, I believe that Hudson will eventually surpass him. Okay, I, I don't I don't disagree because, like I said, I'm taking him as well. So I think it's certainly a plausible notion there with regards to Hudson versus Doolittle. I like both. I'll take both. And Let's go out to L.A. Go ahead. I was going to say Hudson's going at pick three hundred. That's the thing too. He's so cheap that you're not investing two major picks there. You're getting Doolittle at 176 and then Hudson at 300. That makes it easier to handcuff uh, and just t- and just take the Washington bullpen there. And then Will Harris gets 30 saves. Yeah, well, well, and Will Harris dealing with an injury right now. Oh, I didn't. I actually didn't even know that. Um, okay, out to LA for the Angels. Hansel Robles emerged in a uh, sea of fire last year. They didn't have a very good bullpen, but he emerged and he was good. Um, he's got the job right now. Madden says that he is going to give him the job for all the stuff that Madden does. One of the things that he has been more traditional on is closers. If he has a guy he can trust, he'll go to that guy. I think Robles is the guy here. His skills back up what he did as far as, you know, being solid. I don't think he's too bad uh, to go for here. And frankly, if it weren't, I could have put him more in the good, not great section. If I'm being honest, I think I made a mistake there. Yeah. Wait, wait. How's he good... any different than like the Lecorks and Kayla's and all that? Is my is my point. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I was thinking the the uh, uh, these guys are good too. I was like, whoa, that's, no, no, that's no, jumping no, no, way no. up there. The, no, no, no. The tier, uh, yeah, the no, tier right should, above this. He should be the in the good, not great uh, category. Uh, He's got more stability. Yeah, because like that Angels bullpen is still not good. Uh, it's not. They they they've built. 
bullpens on the fly before, and they have some some guys who aren't awful. Butchery, Middleton, Bedrosian, they've they've shown flashes. They, they've got Brian na- Booker they've as got, a lefty. They've got like n- names that we remember, but we don't necessarily yes. remember them for the right reasons either. We yeah, just they're, they're not great. Yeah, like oh, Bedrosian was supposed to be amazing. He he mm-hmm, was because his dad was a good closer. Well, and I mean he was tenth overall pick. Oh wait, no, no, sorry, I I read that wrong. <laughs> I was like, whoa, was he? The, was he a tenth round he was, pick? No, he was uh, first uh, first round, 29th overall. In oh, okay. Two, in two thousand, okay. but he was so, a first round. Yeah, so he was a 29th overall pick in two thousand ten. That was ten years ago. Yikes. So, uh, yeah, no. Uh, no, this is Robles's job, and cutting the walk rate is huge. If that sticks, if he holds some of those walk gains, not necessarily putting him down for another six percent, but if he's more in the seven and a half to eight percent range so he's holding a lot of those gains then i really feel confident about what robles can do so like i said he should have been i'm actually gonna on the sheet move him up there even though we're talking about him in this tier because he's not really on shaky ground all right let's move on to atlanta people are taking will smith ahead of mark melanson even though it's been it's come out and been said that it's mark melanson's job i think that's kind of weird well that is because you know, if pe- people want to say like ADP changes dramatically, uh, and in some ways it will change, you know, uh, dramatically for individual guys, uh, <laughs> people often are drafting off of ADP. And when ADP gets set early, like it does in NFBC, because drafts start early, people mm-hmm. continue, people who don't know any better, continue to draft those guys. Who are you taking? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not taking Will Smith at his price. Uh, no, I will take Mark Melanson as my number three closer. Yeah, pick one ninety eight. Give me. Yeah, so Will Will Smith pick one seventy. Like, give me a break. He has a huge range though, one thirty two to two twenty one. So there's some draft out there that mm-hmm. left him at two twenty one. They were they were smart. They were like, this guy doesn't have the job right now, and he's a lefty. Yeah, it's. Uh, He's their premier lefty, by the way. I'm not. It, it's not that lefties can't close. That, I'm not saying that just for people that don't uh, understand why I keep referencing that. There is a bias against them, though, because if a team only has the one guy um, as their lefty, they need him for those middle, uh, late middle, middle late innings when the big lefty for the other team comes up to bat. That's the that's the problem. Yeah, and I I mean the the corpse of Grant Dayton isn't super uh, uh, encouraging. Now, here's the thing. I mean, uh, Sean Newcomb's going to be in this rotation for a little while, mm-hmm. and then he won't be. <laughs> so, uh, it would not surprise me to see Will Smith take the role at some point if Melanson turns back into uh, the Melicon as my wife would uh, likes to pronounce his name, even though she's a melancholy <laughs> guy from 2017. She likes to pronounce it as if he was a transformer. I like it. So that's fun. Uh, and he, she's yeah, like, he was tough in San Francisco back yeah. in 17, especially. So yeah, so if he kind of reverts back to that, uh, then Will Smith becomes the closer. Sean Newcomb, you know. Atlanta figures out for the third year in a row that he is not a starting pitcher. They put him into the bullpen where he was super effective uh, and bring up one of their young guys. Uh, There is definitely a path to where Will Smith becomes the full-time closer. That being said, I think there's a really good chance in a lot of formats 
he's going to be on the wire once the people who drafted him realize, hey, I'm, realize. Not, I'm not getting saves. And yeah. we're a month into the season, so it's September. Um, Look, I, I can't pretend that I'm getting Melanson everywhere, but it's not a terrible uh, chance that like it, it's a not not even just the non-zero chance thing. There's a legitimate chance that he has 35 saves for sure. So I I, I really uh, I'll take the discount and I'll draft the guy who doesn't have the role ahead of him. I'll take it all day. Let's uh let's jump out to your Giants then because with the departure of both those guys, they were both former Giants last year. It's pretty open. I thought when they signed Gosman that he could be the guy, but they're going to start him, which is. Okay, let's let's see it. Last last chance though, last chance for Gossman to start. If you can't do it this year, it's to the bullpen permanently. Uh, Watson, Sean Anderson, Trevor Gott all, all have the little CL next to them on roster resource. I'll let you take this one over. How are you handicapping this? Um, sorry, I was distracted because there's a tweet going around that baseball is suspending all operations. Yikes! Since we've been recording, so all right, then uh, let's just. End this podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll see you guys next year. <laughs> Signing off for two thousand and twenty. So yeah, sorry. Tell me what the question was again. I got completely about distracted. your about your Giants. About your Giants. Watson Anderson got handicap it, and are you taking any of them? Uh, I've gotten some shares of Anderson. I mean, he showed he could close at the end of the year last year. Uh, he's right-handed, but it's really when like end of the draft and nobody has touched him. I know a lot of people are going after Watson, but again, lefty uh, situation there. Though, I mean, with Kapler as the manager, like who knows like what will happen because like that's not necessarily a stable situation for how he uses a bullpen. Um, that's probably the biggest factor is is Kapler's uh, you know, mix-ups with, with closers. It's lo- it's probably best to just avoid the situation. Giants aren't going to win a ton of games anyways. And by a ton of games, I mean the Giants aren't going to win games anyways. Mm-hmm. So why why get mixed up in that? Yeah, I, I you couldn't pay me. I, I'm, I have no interest in anything that's going on out there with regards to the Giants if, uh, if you're closers. Gonna, if you're going to invest on a, in a closer or on a bad team, like... That's fine. Like I don't have a problem. I'd rather go with... for Jimenez. Not, yeah. not to, I'm not being a homer either. I'm no, just, no. Like, he go, has the go, job. Go for Jimenez. Go for... exactly. Like when you take dart throws, you take dart throws on good teams. You don't take dart throws on bad teams. Exactly. Yep. Yep. No, I I think we're 100 in lockstep on that. Uh, let's go to the bad team closers here, and I'm just gonna we're gonna fully rapid fire this just one, one sentence on them and how you feel and whether or not you're actually drafting them as a C3. The aforementioned Joe Jimenez. No. Detroit. I will take him as a C3. Again, it's that speculation where I've got, you know, a couple other things locked in. He can be my C3, get my 25 saves and get out. Oh, well, Ian okay. Kennedy. Well, hold on a sec. Before you move on, I know we're doing rapid fire. But uh, if he's my C3, yes. But I don't think he's that's, being that's drafted as a C3. Um, I mean... Well, it depends how you like pick one eighty two. Depends how you're drafting, though, right? I guess he is pretty high because Kayla's there, uh, Melanson. Okay, your your point is taken. Your point is well taken. I feel like I okay. There's this weird thing where I could take a closer after him and still see Jimenez as my C three. 
Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it makes sense because I trust that guy more, including Kayla, who goes the pick at well, maybe not Kayla, but Melanson goes, you know, 15 picks later. And if I went Hater, Melanson, Jimenez, and you guys ask, like, how, who are your closers? I'd say my third closers, Jimenez, even though I paid a higher price. But your point is well taken. He's actually not going super. Neither is Kennedy, by the way. So I guess these guys aren't C3s, and I shouldn't necessarily put it like that. Would you take those two as their as your C2? They're both locked in their role, but on crummy teams. I think I would take Kennedy. I don't know that I would take Jimenez. Okay. Kennedy, I liked the rebirth last year. That was I, I've always liked Ian Kennedy, so I'm just glad that he found something to to you know be a be a contributing role. And he got 30 saves on the team, and he had good skills to back it up. So I actually like Kennedy a pretty decent bit. For I will a bad say, team closer. I will say in Jimenez's favor is he was garbage in the first half and not very good in the second half, and the team still stuck with him. Yes, like, like yes, they like, they like him. The the Tigers are like we don't care. Yeah, like what 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 do we care? Like what are we what are we doing over here? Nothing. Um, and yeah, so th- there's no reason not to. All right, so that's Jimenez and Kennedy. Kennedy, you could see taken as a C two. Jimenez has to be your C three. Do I have that right? Okay. In the in Chicago with the White Sox, Alex Kame is the incumbent and seems to be the guy. But there is some love for Steve Ciszek. Who do you like there? Do you, do you agree with the uh, Kalame or are you going C-Shack? Kalame or Kalame? Uh Kalame for sure. And uh, I, he should be going in a higher tier. Like I, I understand people love Steve C-Shack. They always do. He always tends to <laughs> disappoint <do>. us. <laughs> um, he's always great until he's not or he's hurt. And uh, Kalame has like just been a steady Eddie guy his entire career. Mm-hmm. Like, he's never been bad. Unless you want to count the 394 uh, ERA uh, with... That's not even that bad. Four, or, or, yeah, in 43 games pitched. Like, like he had 109 innings that year. Like, he just was, you know, he's almost he like a mini... Some. Yeah, he was, he was a starter, and he's kind of a swingman type dude. Uh, but... I mean, since he's been a full-time reliever, he hasn't had an ERA above 324. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Um, and, and three uh, of those four seasons, 30-plus saves. Yeah, people trying to re- remove him from that role, I think, are are, are going too far with it. Alex Colomay with the White Sox. By the way, I've been bad team closers, three... Uh, Three NL AL Central teams. The White Sox aren't necessarily like they're better than the Tigers and Royals by a good bit, and they could actually be a pretty good team. But mm-hmm. until we see it, I had to put him down there. Um, Brandon Kinsler is supposed to be the guy in Miami, but it's Brandon Kinsler and Ryan Stanek's there. Yimmy Garcia, Brad Boxberg was a non-roster invite. How are you handicapping Miami? Oh, kind of similar to the Giants, where I'm just staying away from it. That's definitely fair. I just, uh, I just don't, I yeah. don't see enough. I mean, I think, I don't think Miami's going to be as bad as the Giants or the Tigers, for that matter. But I think this situation could become and probably will become muddled very, very quickly, uh, and we could see a bunch of different guys getting five to ten saves, uh, and I don't want to pay for that. Not that you're having to pay much, but. I don't want to no, mess with that. I, I just I don't want to mess with it. Uh, you don't want to mess with Colorado. You said Wade Davis. They said he is going to be the guy. He's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not even speculating on Scott Olberg. 
absolutely not. I'm just yeah, completely staying. Yeah, it just, it's, I mean, really, and I know a lot of people have a lot of love for Hunter Harvey. Like, I, I don't want to deal with any of these situations. That's the next training. one. Like, Baltimore, Michael Gibbons, Hunter Harvey. I do have a little love for him, too, but doesn't mean I'm drafting him much. Maybe. It was, I already have him in a 50-round. That's the place. <sighs> the, the the 50-round draft and holds, though, I mean, well, and <laughs> with the season um, being in doubt on when it's going to start, you could probably do a bunch more 50-round draft and holds true, right now. True. Like, get, get him in. Like, if, if you've never done a draft champions, now's the time. Uh, because we're going to have some time to kill over the next uh, few weeks uh, at least. So uh, that being said, like, I, I don't want to invest in, you know, traditional uh, – in my traditional leagues, I don't want to invest in guys like Hunter Harvey and Matt McGill and Michael Givens and uh, yep. Hirano and, and Kinsler and Wade Davis and, and Scott Oberg. It's just not smart. And you know what? Too. Um, one thing I, I'll I preach every year, and I'm going to do it again. People always talk about, well, saves come into the league, so you can just punt and, and do it that way. I don't like that. The reason I don't like just saying it like that is because it underplays how much of your in-season resources you have to spend on doing it. And not only that is everyone else is going to be going for him too. Even if I have two closers, I still put a bid on somebody that's that comes in and is the guy. You know, if um, I don't and know, let's, that, that's okay, the let's, thing. I'm the reason why you don't do this. I've said yeah. the entire podcast. I do not leave, like leaving a draft without saves, and I've also said the entire podcast. I'm doing dart throws constantly in season to get the next guy on other teams. You can always improve, and you yeah. never know when your guys are going to catch an L, whether it's injury or they lose the job. So if Will Smith does end up getting dropped and becomes a free agent, but then he's the guy, I don't care if I have Hayter and Osuna. I went I went big. I'm still putting some sort of bid. So you're always having to spend, and it's so much work to do it. So I hate when people just say, ah, oh, just get him in season, as if everyone won't be chasing those guys and it's not very difficult to do if you're blowing 30 to 40 percent of your fab on closers throughout a season that's 30 or 40 percent of your fab that you cannot now use on the next fabapalooza guy Mm -hmm. on the next you know guy that oh my god we didn't think this guy was gonna we didn't think julio rodriguez was gonna make it to the majors this yep. year but yep. the, the franco got called up holy crap you know yeah, something like that the mariners just got drunk in the front office and decided <laughs> hey clinic <laughs> and rodriguez up on the same day yeah exactly like you if you're gonna be blowing uh you know your fab there or those guys come up early you blow your fab and now you don't have the fab to chase closers like it's 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 not as simple as now that being said in some leagues if you are in your 12 team or 10 team home league with your buddies that mm-hmm. aren't paying attention that aren't going to be scouring the waiver wire and forget to put fab in on you know Saturday sure. or you know Sunday night you know your league better than we do but we're sure, talking you can, more general you can get away with that but i assume if you've just listened to Two hours of a reliever podcast uh, on the day they are suspending operations for Major League Baseball. Yeah, we come correct with it, baby. Yeah, that you are playing in a more competitive league. And if you're not, God bless you. 
And thanks for listening. Keeping, we really yeah. appreciate yeah, that. You're yeah. keeping you, us You can steal saves left and right from because your league doesn't pay attention, but you still listen to this. You're a hero. Yeah. I mean, I feel you're like I wasted hero. my morning. But, like, the fact that you're listening still is, you know, a true testament to... Uh, some sort of gambling addiction or something. I I, I don't know. But uh, well, there we go. <laughs> we we wanted to make sure that we got relievers out before the big draft weekend here. And I know everything's been kind of a sour note uh, with regards to you know the outbreak and before you know, everything we, uh, having to be shut down. But before we wrap up, can we talk about that real quick? What do you think leagues should do? Like if you are in a home league with your buddies. Uh, you know, whether you're, you guys are meeting up in person or you've decided to do it online just to avoid being in crowds and stuff. If, if you are supposed to draft like this weekend or next weekend, do you think the league as a whole should just go, Hey, why don't we wait? You know, uh, you know, if they announce it, season's not going to start till May 1st, why don't we wait till April? If the league agrees on that, sure. But if you've already set out the date and everyone's made their time, especially if you're in a league with adults who have families and whatnot, um, you know, I know, and I don't say that to be like disparaging. I'm talking about people that uh, have have more responsibility. College kids, they have responsibility too. I'm not, so I'm not saying anything negative about that. But it's easier for them to just say, well, hey, we can just do it whenever. Um, I would probably just go ahead and go through with with what we've got if we've already set the date and 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 not and not whoops sorry hit the mute button there and not try to reschedule it because i don't know necessarily why you would want to reschedule yeah i think if you can you you might want to especially if you were waiting for this late in the season to uh, obviously things are going to be fluid and we don't know yet when season is projected to start or where it will actually start but uh, if you can i i would reschedule if, if you wanted to draft near opening day so that way you weren't having to worry about late injuries and things like that i'm interested to see what nfbc does because main events are supposed to start tomorrow my main event is supposed to be tomorrow yeah. uh and now i wonder like i i don't know that it's fair that they draft some main events now and then at some point down the line draft more or we all draft our main events now and have to wait two months uh so i i really i don't know what nfbc's done gonna do and i I don't envy the position they're in i think they're doing the best they can given the information they have but uh it's definitely a weird time in baseball and an even weirder time in fantasy baseball it it really is and it's total bummer and again i know that um sports and all that are not the highest of concerns we, we acknowledge that so that disclaimer is out before anyone tries to i mean you're listening to a pod so it's not like you aren't, aren't trying to get kind of get away from all the the ugliness that's out there for a few minutes of, of reprieve on it but this is a total bummer dude that we're probably going to get a delay to start the season and everything that you know we get all excited for our drafts and whatnot and it's got this cloud hanging over it so we're still going to keep potting um no joke, I'm going to start writing some MLB The Show columns because, in a way, MLB The Show and, and Out of the Park Baseball are fantasy baseball. They're just they're just different types of things. Yeah. I'm going to come um, up so, with something to write about. I, I, I have a few ideas, but who knows? It's going to get crazy. Yeah, so it, it really is. I don't think we're at the worst of it yet. So there's going to be, you know, we're, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing baseball-related stuff. 
give, like I said, give you all some time away from all the hecticness. Take care of your family. Take care of yourselves. Avoid unnecessary travel. Avoid unnecessary gatherings in public. And just be smart about it. But uh, we will be back next week to talk more baseball about fantasy baseball or fictional baseball. We, you know, we can maybe bring up a uh, backyard baseball league or MVP 05, one of the best games ever. But maybe my wife have a good will weekend, me, Justin. Maybe my wife will let me buy a PlayStation so Dude. I have something to write about. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> we'll do a live podcast if you would be playing the show. I am here for that. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I have to for work. Got, got to do it for work. We're simming, we're simming the season, man. We are fantasy baseball now. People are, are drafting their teams based on how Justin and I play. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Take it easy.